You're listening to Pastor Greg Voorhees, recorded at Shenandoah Valley Baptist Church, Sunday, October 1st, 2023. For more information about SVBC, you can visit their website, svbcfamily.com, or find them on all things social, at svbcfamily. I am going to be doing it old school today, because the, I don't have my computer. Why don't I have my computer? I don't multitask. <laughs> I'm a guy. I don't multitask. The Sue told me, go get water. Go buy water. In fact, if any of you all need water, just it's in the office. It's in the fridge. Don't be afraid to go get it. Sue said, go buy water. People need water. So I went and got water. And I, had it in the, and I was going to have to put it in the car, and I did. But I don't multitask. I don't remember the water and the computer. You know, so, you, so you have water if you need water. I just don't have my computer. So I'm going old school. Going back to the Bible, reading straight out of the Bible, which is, which is not a bad thing. I just have to wear my glasses. It, it's when you when you get older, and your eyes start failing you. It's nice having the big printing on the, on the screen. Yeah, that's, it's just it's just true. Alrighty, we are going to we're actually going to take a big chunk of of, of scripture today. Well, it's not huge. We're going, to, we're going to address the entire Romans 13. Why? Because it, it's made up of three very small parts. The, top, the, first, the first pericope, or the first section, is probably the largest. But I think I'm, I'm pretty certain we can go through this in, in a, in a pretty good, at a pretty good pace. Okay, Romans 13. And this is the only thing i got to look at, see how many verses I did. One and two. It says, Let everyone be subject... To the governing authorities, for there is no authority except that which God has established. The authorities that exist have been established by God. Consequently, whoever rebels against the authorities, rebelling against what God has instituted, and those who do so will bring judgment upon themselves. So what, what authorities is he talking about? You, you know, we are instructed, we are instructed to submit to authorities. Who else, did, who else have you ever seen instruct us to submit to authorities? You think maybe Jesus himself? What about the whole taxes thing? They tried to, they, they tried to, they tried to hem up Jesus, you know, well, should we be paying taxes? You know, because if you're familiar with the history of, of, of Israel and the zealots, that's actually this whole tax thing is one of the things that kind of brought the wrath of Rome down when they destroyed the, the second temple, was the zealots were saying, hey, we, we ain't paying no taxes. We're tired of paying Rome taxes. We're not paying no taxes no more. So, so then Titus, the son, of the, the, the son of the emperor, actually the emperor himself was the general, and he had actually marched to outside of, of Israel, uh, Jerusalem, and he was kind of waiting there. And then the, the, the emperor before died, and he was brought back, and he became, he became the emperor. His son Titus, not the Titus named after the book of the Bible, but his son Titus, then went and took charge of the Roman, the Roman army. Well, the zealots, again, they were like, we ain't, we, ain't, we ain't paying no taxes. It ain't happening no more. You know, we, don't, we don't owe them anything. So what's it end up doing? Rome's like, okay, we've had enough. And then that's when they came in and leveled, leveled almost everything. You know, but had had the zealots, you think maybe if they had listened to Jesus, that that might have actually may have kind of prevented some of that from maybe happening. You know, because Jesus said, "Pay render unto Caesar what is Caesar's, render unto God what is God's, render unto Caesar what is Caesar's." 
In, in fact, they had that cool story about when it came time to take, pay taxes. I wish I knew where this fish was. The fish comes out and spits out the taxes, and, and, and they pay the taxes. I, I'd like to know where that fish is. However, the, the, even Jesus was saying to submit to the authorities. The authorities, the governing authorities that we are under, again, Paul was telling us, God has established that authority. You know, we, the Sunday school class got a history lesson they probably really didn't want, but just, just because it had nothing to do with the lesson, but it fascinates me. If, if you look at how God has even dealt with governments throughout time, he has ultimately always been in control. We talked, about, we talked about the Assyrians. We talked about in Sunday school, we talked about how the Assyrians, even though they were these, these really, really I mean, evil people, they like to, they like to ram you know, poles into you and sit you on the ground and hang you like that. They, they, they were just monstrous people. But God, we see God dealing with the Assyrians even before the exile. We see the story of Jonah and he had him go to Nineveh. You know, Nineveh was the capital city of Assyria, so God was dealing with the Assyrians even before that. But ultimately, they, 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 they repented, but they took another hard right turn, and they took the northern kingdom. They, they took them and brought them into exile, scattered them, put foreigners in their place, and that's where the whole tension with the, with, with the, the Samaritans ended up happening, because of the intermingling between the Jewish people and these foreigners. Well, then the, here, comes, here comes the big old Babylonians. You know, the Assyrians were tough. Well, God was still in control. He brought in the Babylonians. He, let the, he, put, he established their authority. What did they do? They came and they took the southern kingdom. Well, then they eventually, they took over the Assyrians. So now Babylon had the entire nation of Israel. Well, then what happens? Nobody's, and we see God dealing. We see God dealing with Babylon. What's, what's, what's that king's name? Nebuchadnezzar? We see God dealing with Nebuchadnezzar in, in the Bible to the point where he even made him go mad and like eat grass like a dog and, and, and all these wild things. We see God dealing with these people who are in authority, but God establishes this authority. So then what's he do? He sends the Persians. The Persians take over the, 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 the Babylonians that nobody ever thought would anybody would be able to beat the Babylonians. Well, God was still in control of the rise and fall of these nations. So what was the deal with the Persians? The Persians had a policy. They liked to, to cooperate with some level with their conquered people. So then we get the story of Nehemiah, and, 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 and that's, that's what helped bring you know, Israel's people back to Jerusalem. No, so God had control all over this. Let's go one step farther. You know, who ended up taking, taking over the Persians? A group named the Romans. A group of people who crucified people on crosses. So do you, do you see how he even caused the, allowed the rising of the Roman Empire so that the fulfillment of Scripture could be, found, could be felt perfectly? Because his son needed to be hung on the tree. He needed to be crucified by the cross because that was considered to be cursed in the law. So God, even, even these governments, that you would sit there and think, how in the world could they have done these things? How in the world could they have taken power? Even when we, it doesn't make sense to us, God is still in control. He still causes the rise and the falls of governments and countries. How about our country? He, is, he definitely had a lot to do with the rise of our country. I've talked about that a lot. We should not have gotten our sovereignty from, from England. It should just never have happened. That was a God thing. But do you think, does God still in control of the authorities? Does he still have ultimate control of the authorities and still establishing these, these, these folks that are in charge? Absolutely. What Paul's saying did not change. So let's think about this when we talk politics. 
You know, one of the things that just, it really disturbs me, it really disturbs me in, in, in social media is, I am not a Biden fan, don't get me wrong. You, you, you know, the guy makes my head hurt. But when we, when we see on social media, when he's like walking upstairs and he's falling and we're making fun of him, is, is that right? You know, this, this, is, this is who God, God puts people in authority. That's why when we shouldn't be that upset by the result of the, of, the, of the elections, because God is ultimately in charge. I don't know what God had in plan for Biden. I don't know why in the world that he put him there. And there are people who have friends that are on the far left that say the same thing about Trump. I don't know what God was thinking when, when, you know, when Trump became president. So it doesn't matter who's the president. Somebody's not going to be happy. But the reality is, is God has established that authority, and we need to respect it. So instead of bad-mouthing our president, and I know, it's, I know it can be hard, you need to pray for your president. I, I mean, could you imagine, could you imagine that if our entire country, instead of, instead of saying what we think about our president, started praying for our president, can you imagine what might happen? I mean, the sky's the limit. Because with God, the sky is the limit. In fact, it goes beyond that. You know, and that's why I'm not a very political person. There are things that happen in politics that upset me. I see, I see policies that come down from the top that just upset me. And sometimes I see policies come down with different presidents that make me happy. But the, the, the reality is I am ordered by the Bible to respect that authority because God has established that authority. You know, so the, the whole making fun of our presidents, whether you're, it's Biden or Trump or whoever comes next, it's, it's, it's not the way God wants us to be. It's just not. He's called us to respect those in authority. He's called us to, to pray for those who are in authority. Have you ever heard that? Pray for those who are in authority? Three, for rulers hold no terror for those who do right, but those who do wrong. But for those who do wrong, do you want to be free from, from the fear? Do you want to be free from fear of the one who's in authority? Then do what is right, and you will be commended. You know, I, I've noticed in my years in law enforcement, sometimes when, because why? What's, what's the deal with cops? Why do, why do people make cops? Why, why do cops make people nervous? Other than the fact that we write tickets. I, I mean, that's, that's the thing. It's because they represent that authority. They represent that government. They represent holding people accountable. You, you know, so I've, I've noticed that sometimes when, I, when I'm working and I'm in uniform and I walk into a, a, a group of people, people start feeling sometimes uneasy. And I don't know why, because I'm the same in uniform than I am when I'm not in uniform. So this is the way I talk and this is the way I act when I'm at work. So why would I make anybody nervous? Well, the, th the thing is, is that if we were always doing right, why would we be concerned? If, if, we, if we didn't have anything that we were concerned about of what we were doing, if we were, always, if we were always following the laws, obeying the laws of the land, you know, why would we be nervous? I understand there's exceptions to a, to a degree. Every time that I'm driving and an officer pulls behind me, I could be doing the speed limit and I still get nervous. I mean, it, it, it just happens. You know, one time I was, in, when I was a Warren County deputy. I'm going down 340, and I was actually, I wasn't obeying the speed limit. 
I was, I was going to a call, though, and, and, and they had, these, they, they had these, 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 these smart trailers, the ones that tell you your, time, your speed. And if you're going so far over it, it does the little red and blue flashy lights, you know, to try to get your attention. Well, I got mine. I'm in a cruiser going to a call. I'm kind of speeding, and those lights go, bleep, 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 bleep. I'm like, and I, man, I, I hit my brake. I mean, it's scared. I was in a police car going to a call, and it still scared me. You know, so it's still, it's, it, it, I understand to a degree why, why law enforcement and government officials make you nervous. Have you ever been around an IRS person? Well, they, why, they make people nervous. You, you know, because it's, you know, if, if you do everything the way you're supposed to in your taxes, should you be afraid of an audit? You, you shouldn't be. You shouldn't be afraid of the IRS. Here's another true story. Somebody that I know, that, that, that there were these two friends, and this, this is a true story. Well, the one friend I knew, he wasn't exactly being straight in his taxes, and, 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 and the IRS agents were coming to the office looking for this person. Well, the, the, another one of his friends I knew had bought a brand new car. Well, it wasn't new to him. It was a Crown Vic. It was an old police car. It looked like a government car. It was a black Crown Vic with dark, darkened windows. And he wanted to show his other friend, the one he didn't realize has been cheating on his taxes, he wanted to show him his new car. So he pulls up in his driveway, and, and guy number one, the guy cheating on his taxes, runs and he hides behind the woodpile, and he's looking around the corner. And, and, and the other guy comes, and says, I don't understand why he would do that. Uh, it's like, well, I didn't tell him the story, but I knew why he was doing it. He thought he was the IRS. You know, so if, if, if you're doing the things the way you're supposed to be, don't you have no reason to fear the authority that God has given the government. And, and you shouldn't have to fear what they may do or not, or may do or not do, especially in America. There are governments that, you know, justice and fairness don't make a whole lot of difference. Well, let me tell you what, if you're sitting in this pew, you're living in a place that, that, that they do care about justice and fairness. You know, for the most part, it is what it is. But if you do, if you do what is right, you have no reason to fear this authority that God has given these folks. What verse was I on here? I get, I get, rab I get rattling on. Uh, then do what is right and you'll be commended for the one who is in authority is God's servant for the good. But if you are doing wrong, be afraid, for the rulers do not bear the sword for no reason. They are God's servants, agents of wrath, to bring punishment to the wrongdoers. So that authority that God gives these government agents, the, the authority that God gives these governments, is, is, is to, to, to bring justice where justice needs to be brought. It's to, it's, it's to try to right where things have been wronged. It's God's system. Is any of our governments as good as God's government? Of course not. Anytime you put humans in the equation, it starts to break down. It just does. So I'll tell you what, our system in the United States of America, I tell you what, it's, it's flawed and it's broken, but it's the best thing that I know out there. And I'll tell you what, and that's, that's true with any government. Anytime you put people, even though God has given them that authority, anytime you start plugging people into the equation, there's going to be problems, but you're still required to respect the authority, and God has given them that authority to right what is wrong. That, that's the whole reason we have the justice system, is to right what is wrong. 
Why would he be writing about this? You, you, you know, it might seem kind of odd. Why in the world is Paul talking about submitting to authorities? Why, why would he be talking? You know, he's writing to believers. He's writing to the Jewish people who were still living in Rome. You know, so he was trying to explain to them that these Romans, that you know, the same Romans that crucified Jesus, this authority was still given to them by God, and you need to respect it. And we see when we know this is true. Here, if God had not allowed the Romans to take Christ and to crucify him. If he didn't allow that to happen, if Christ did not willingly allow them to take him, do you think they would have taken him? Absolutely not. So even the things that Rome was doing that we just don't, we just don't understand sometimes, God was still in the middle of it. He was still in control. Even the bad stuff. Haven't we talked about this? All, all things work for the good for those who love Jesus and are called according to his purposes. So even when things, when people do the wrong thing, God is still working those things and teaching you things and bringing you to a place where even the bad things make you a better person. But what, he, was, he was writing this to the Romans because I guarantee the Romans, the Roman believers or, or the Hebrew believers, they would not have been too keen on submitting to Roman authority. I wouldn't be. You, you, you know, I'd, I'd be perfectly honest. If, if, if I was a Hebrew person living in Rome, it, I, I would have probably wanted to buck the system. You, you know, because they, they clearly, in, in my mind, everything they were doing was just ungodly. You, you know, but that, that, that's, but that's even true, though, with us. Even with the, in the United States, when things happen that we don't necessarily agree with, God has still established that authority. Verse 5. And I keep losing this daggone earpiece. Therefore, it is necessary to submit to the authorities, not because of possible punishment, but also as a matter of conscience. You, you need to submit to the authorities just so you can have, a, 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 and if anything else, a clear conscience. This is also why you pay taxes for the authorities, for the authorities are God's servants who give their full time to governing. Give to everyone what you owe them. If you owe taxes, pay taxes. If revenue, then revenue. If respect, then respect. If honor, then honor. Whenever you are owed, that you owe someone something, whether it be taxes, your monies, honors, respect, whatever it is, God's saying if, if, if they deserve it, if, they, if, if, if it's owed to them, you need to give it to them. Well, think about this. If God has established the authorities, are they due our respect and our honor, even if we don't like them, even if we don't agree with them? If God has established the authority, are we to honor them and to respect them? We should. So, so the YouTube videos, I, I mean, I don't know why. This, this, this has just been the thing that's just disturbed me for a long time. You, you know, the whole Biden thing, going, walking up Air Force One and falling, and that was like, like such a big thing. I'm that's horrible. He's still a man. He's still the president. You, you, you know, it, it's not even funny because when things like that happen, it even makes us look bad. That, it's not funny when stuff like that happens. You know, we are to honor and respect those that are in authority, even if it hurts. 
and sometimes it does. So let no debt remain outstanding except the continuing debt to love one another. For whoever loves others has fulfilled the law, the commandments, you shall not commit adultery, you shall not murder, you shall not steal, you shall not covet. And what other, other command there may be are summed up in this one command. I'll make sure it's still up there. <laughs> Love your neighbor as yourself. Love does not harm to a neighbor. Therefore, love is the fulfillment of the law. This is something I've talked about a lot. That's a whole little percabee. That's that whole section we just read. Love is the fulfillment of the law. I've talked about the story over and over and over, but it's so important to get. When, 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 when they were trying to trip up Jesus, you know, hey, Rabbi, what's the most important command? And, and, and he basically quotes the Shema. Love the Lord your God with all your heart, your mind, and your strength. The hero Israel. But he's, he doesn't stop there. He says, and the second's a lot like it. Love your neighbor as yourself. So here we are. Paul is directly quoting Jesus when he says love is the fulfillment of the law. Because Jesus continued in these two things, loving the Lord your God with all your heart, your mind, your soul, your strength, and loving your neighbor as yourself. Those, if you do those two things, you have fulfilled the law and the prophets. You've done it all. Because love doesn't harm a neighbor. If you set out to intentionally harm your neighbor, you are violating the law of God. If you set out to harm or to destroy or to do bad things to your neighbor, you are violating the laws of God. But if you love your neighbor, you're fulfilling. You're fulfilling the law of God. And who is your neighbor? Is your neighbor just the guy that lives next door to you? Or the gal that lives across the street? You know, neighbor is a word we like to use in English, in, in English to describe the people that live around their little house. But look to the left and the right. Everybody here, this is your neighbor. Let's, let's picture that these walls were transparent for a second. Let's, let's look across 81 and across 11. Let's say we had really good eyes and we could look to Stephen City or look back to Winchester. That is who your neighbor is. That is who your neighbor is. You are required and called by God to love not only the people that are around your house, but to love the people who are in the pews beside you, to love the people in the community where you've been set. And I'll tell you what, and we know this now because we live in a, in a world where you can jump in an airplane and in a matter of a day drive all the way or fly all the way around the world. The whole world is your neighbor now. You are called to love the people in Africa. You are called to love the people in Asia. You are called to love the people in Europe and South America. You are called to love everyone. For God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son, Jesus Christ. That is your neighbor. That's why we send money to missions. That's why, that's why I, I send $44 a month of Compassion International to feed a girl in, in New Zealand and to, and to put clothes on her back and to give her an education. That's why I do that. Because even though she lives in New Zealand, she's my neighbor. 
She's also got these really cute dimples. She does. She is an adorable little girl. But that is who we are called to love. You know, is there any, mis- is there any accident that Paul is talking about respecting the authorities, these government authorities, and he follows it up with love? I don't think there's an accident in anything in the Bible. This is a continuing thought in Paul's process. And again, I've talked about this. We break things up in chapters and pericope just so we can, we can break up the Bible in sections. He wrote a letter. This is one thought process. This is one thing he was continuing to write on. He was saying, respect your authorities and you are to love your neighbor. Do you realize that this works together? You are to love everyone in the government and those around you. It doesn't matter if they look like you. It doesn't matter if they think like you. It doesn't matter what version of the Bible they carry the church. You're required to love them. And guess what? They're required to love you. You know, I can't even, I can't even wrap. Could you imagine a world where people couldn't care less about what, what denomination you went to? Or they couldn't care less what color your skin is, or they couldn't care less whether you're a Republican or a Democrat. Could you imagine a world where it didn't matter if you were born here or if you came here from another country and became a citizen? Could you imagine that world, what it would look like if we loved our neighbor the way Christ and then Paul has told us we are required to do? I think our world would look so much different. Because our hearts... Our hearts are deceiving and just, just, they're just wicked things. It is so easy to hate. It's, a, it's almost the default. It's almost what we default to because that's what we were born with. And thank God that he gives us, he gives us a new, that we are new creations and we don't have to be that way. We're not locked into that thing where we have to hate anymore because you are, are a new creation in Christ. You can love if you hate your brother or your sister because of anything that's different than you or anything that you don't agree with, you are doing that by choice because if you are a believer in the Lord Jesus Christ, you have the ability to love. You just do. In fact, I'll tell you where something else that's in the Bible. Let's, look, let's think about what John said. John tells us that if you claim to love God and hate your brother, you're a liar. That's what John says. Woo! That's a big one. That's a big one. I hate to quote quote an old old saying, especially because of how it came out or its context, but it's true. Why can't we just all get along? Why can't, we just, why can't we just all love one another? You know, the whole Jesus revolution and the hippie movement. You, you know, Frisbee and, and, and Smith, you know, the people that we see that, that were in this Jesus revolution out, out, out where it started out really in California and kind of spread. Frisbee, was, he was a broken guy. 
He, he, was, kind of the, he was kind of the face for a while of the, of the Jesus Revolution. If you saw the movie The Jesus Revolution, he was the guy that Jonathan Rumier, the guy that plays Jesus in The Chosen, his, he played that part. But he made a very valid point. All of these folks were, were just chasing after something, and they had bought a lie. But what, what, what is it that they needed? They needed God and they needed love. And that's, that's my paraphrase of what he said. That's not exactly how he said it. But they were chasing hard after something. You realize that you realize the world is chasing hard after something. You, you, you know, when you look at what the world worships, money, power, drugs, sex, and rock and roll, whatever the case may be, the things that they're chasing hard after is because they're looking to fill a void. Do you realize if the things somehow, how they try to fill these voids, you might find them offensive because you grew up in church. And I don't do that kind of thing. I, and, and you shouldn't be doing that kind of thing. But, but when you start looking at yourself in an arrogant way, and we started, Paul's talked about this. This was in a past lesson. When you start looking at yourself in an arrogant way, like you're too good to love or to reach out to them, there's a problem. Who did Jesus hang out with? You know, that's, that, that's, who did Jesus hang out with? Did he hang out with the Pharisees in their fancy, in their fancy clothes? You know, their they're, 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 they're cool shawls and, and headdresses. Did he hang out with, with, with the religious folk? Not, not where I read. He hung out with prostitutes. He hung out with tax collectors. You know, we talk about Matthew, that was a famous one. What about little Zacchaeus? Zacchaeus was a wee little man, a wee little man was he. He climbed up onto a sycamore tree for the Lord he wanted to see. What's he do? He says, Zacchaeus, come down. I'm going to have dinner at your house. <laughs> That's who he hung out with. If we want to love the way Jesus loves, you have to love the people who offend you. Let me, let, let, to love the way Jesus loves, you have to love people who, when, when you think of all the things that you like and don't like and all the things you've been taught, you have to love people who offend you. You know, God's called you to love the Muslim people. He has. He's called you to love Buddhists. He's, he's called you to love atheists who think you're crazy because you think that there's some guy sitting on the throne someplace that, that orchestrating all of this. Those guys offend me. How can you be so stupid to think all this happened by accident? But you're called to love them. You're called to love. Baptists are called to love people in the assemblies of God. Assemblies of God are called to love people in the church of God. The church of God is called to love people in the Methodist church. The Methodists are called to love the Episcopalian. And all this, all this kind of goes together, all interconnected. You've got to love. You get the point? Because when you love, you fulfill the law. 
Moving on to the last pericope, the last section. The day is near. Again, is this an accident? These things are going together. Submit to authorities, respect who they are, love your neighbors, and now the day is near. What is he talking about? The end is, is, is way closer than what you may think. And do this. Did I put this up there? No, I didn't. I am lost without my computer. David, can you fix that for me? It should be 11. There we go. And do this. Understanding the present time, the hour has already come for you to wake up from your slumber because our salvation is nearer now than than when we first believed. The night is nearly over. The day is almost here. So let us put aside the deeds of darkness and put on the armor of light. Boy, that is a mouthful. What is Paul saying here? The end is drawing near. Let me tell you what something about this end is drawing near thing. Every generation since Christ had thought that they were the generation that was going to see his return. They just did. Paul thought he was going to see the return of Christ. That's why he was like, if you're married, stay married. If you're, if you're single, you, you know, stay single because you've got to work, 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 work. There's just not time for this because the, you know, the return of Christ is, is, is it's, it's coming close. So even Paul you know, thought, hey, this, this return was going to be really quick. But I can assure you, and this is why I say, wake up from your slumber. How do we, do we actually believe that the return of Christ is close? We should. Some of us do. Some of us may not. What happens? There was this, there was this, this, this parable about the ten virgins. You know, half of them, you know, they were coming out to meet the bridegroom. You know, half of them were ready. They had their, 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 they had their lamps and they had lots of oil. And some of them, yeah, I don't need all that oil, you know. So I, they came unprepared. They, and that was, they were kind of slumbering when the bridegroom came. I believe the return of Christ. I believe that it may very well happen in my lifetime. I'm not Henny Penny. I might be just like Paul and the apostles in the first century church. I'm, I, you know, I don't know. Only the Father knows the day and the hour. Jesus tells us that. Only the Father knows the day and the hour. But look, everything is lined up. There is really nothing that needs to happen. It's all lined up. You know, does everybody, has everybody heard the name of Jesus? You know, with this, 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 Oh my goodness, Elon Musk is putting out thousands of these satellites so you can get a cell signal anywhere in the world. You know, who knows who has and who's not heard the name of Jesus? So so the return of Christ may very well be imminent. Even in our measure of time, in God's measure of time, it definitely is. But even in our measure of time, What's some of the signs that we said we would see? People would call things that were good evil and evil good. Do we see that? Oh my goodness, yes. 
You realize it's a fight to get a Bible into a church, but you can bring drag queens into your elementary school to do a little dance in your school? The world calls what is good evil, and evil is good. Do we see people rising up against authority? Do we see parent, or, or children rising up against their parents? Do, do we see any of this stuff going, yes! The signs are there. Don't be asleep, church. You're required to love now. Don't fall asleep. When, when the bridegroom returns, do you want to be caught slumbering or do you want to be caught working? And what is your motivation behind your work? Love. Love for your God and love for his people. The hour draws near. For those of us that think, well, he's been saying this for almost 2,000 years now, you know, it, it, it's, I got time to live my life. It's been almost 2,000 years. You know, we believe he was, he was crucified in the, the, you know, in the 30s sometimes, so, you know, the crucifixion, the 2,000 years is coming up quickly. You know, he's been saying it for 2,000 years. I'm coming back. Well, where is he? So people might fall into a slumber thinking they have time. Well, you want to know what? Here's some Bible prophecy for you. Israel has been reestablished. The, 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 the vine has bloomed again. Israel stands. She's alive and well. Nothing needs to happen. Wake up. Don't act like you're asleep. Love now. Submit to authorities and love now. Work now for your God. Serve your God now. Don't be like the virgins who fell asleep and ran out of oil. Be prepared. Be ready. Be ready for the coming of Christ because it's going to happen. Everything Jesus said that he was going to do, he has done. There's only one thing that's not yet happened. And you want to know what? He's got a he's got 100% the Waymaker, Promise Keeper song. That's not an accident. I didn't mean for it to happen that way, but think about the Waymaker song. He's a promise keeper. He keeps all of his promise. Jesus said, I am coming again. Love your neighbor. Be ready. Don't be called asleep. Put on the armor of light. You don't want to look like those that live in darkness. Look like those who, are, who live in the light. Let us behave decently, as in the daytime, not in carousing or in drunkenness, not in sexual morality or debauchery, not in, in dissension and jealousy. Rather, clothe yourselves with the Lord Jesus Christ, and do not think about how to gratify the desires of the flesh. There's another big mouthful. When he's saying, act the same way that you do it in the night as you do during the day? What's the context that that could apply to here? How about acting the same on Monday the way you do on Sunday? How about acting the same on Tuesday as you do on Sunday? You come here. I've seen all of your faces here. I mean, almost every week for the last year that I've been here. You're faithful. 
I encourage you to be just as faithful when you walk out. Put on the armor of light. Put on the full armor of God. Act the same way that you would in your workplace or when you're out and about at the mall shopping or when you're trying to find the parking place and the guy pulls in and cuts you off. Act the same way there that you would here. Act the same way in the darkness that the way you would act in the light. Because let me tell you what, even when we're in dark places, God still sees. I am not this guy that preaches God is sitting on his throne just waiting to squish you and condemn you. That is not my God. That is nothing. That is not biblical. He's about grace and love. The only time that you see, have to see the business side of God like that is if you reject his son, Jesus Christ. But for us, to the believers, there is no condemnation. God is not sitting up there looking and waiting to squish you as a believer, but everything you do, he does see. And he does take notice. And he will reward you for what you do well. He always rewards those who follows his commands and follows the will of his son. He just does. So I encourage you, church, don't be Sunday morning Christians. Don't be Sunday morning Christians. If you're only a Sunday morning Christian, there's a word that comes to mind. It starts with an H. Hypocrite. Ouch. If you act one way here, you act one way different out there. That's hypocrisy. Live your life in the darkness the same way you do in the light. Amen. So when you go, if you leave out of here, and you go to a restaurant, be nice to your waitress. If you go and you leave here and you decide to go shopping and, and, and the, the cashier gets smart with you, just smile. Live the same way in the darkness that you would in the light. Let us pray.